I hate doing this show with you. I hate this podcast. I hate our friendship. I hate our family. (laughs) I want no part of it. And I want to be done. Okay. Hi, I'm Laura. And I'm Danielle. Welcome back to Not Another Momcast. another mom cast. <laughs> okay. I love it. Welcome back to not another mom cast. We are here with no script laying before us and immediately my heart rate has increased and my sweat is pouring. <laughs> As Laura handed me the intro unexpectedly and I just said, yeah, man, I've got this. No problem. Because let's not forget If you didn't listen to our season three intro episode from two weeks ago, we are throwing caution to the wind and not having a structure at all anymore, which is really exciting, but really also not great for me personally, because I don't think so great in the moment on the spot. Oh my God. That reminds me of something I want to tell you later. I'm actually going to tell you right now. Okay. I was in a meeting and somebody said something and uh, like asking me a question and I immediately just came out with like, nope, no idea. And it was a very embarrassing moment in that moment because I did have an idea, but I couldn't say it because somebody asked me in front of people. You know what I did? What? This is so professional. I went back the next day and I wrote a very detailed email with very good recommendations and suggestions and said, I just don't do well on the spot. (gasps) Good for you. Look at you. Right? Wow. You can cut that. But that was a good move for me. I don't even know if I want to cut that. I'm so proud of your self-advocacy there. Thank you. Well, you know, new me, so social, so vocal, so vocally social. So anyway, we should probably just get right on into it with a good old boom and bust. But no, here's the problem. You are going to take over the boom and bust. So I feel like I only have a boom. It probably makes sense for you to go first because I could imagine that my bust is going to be a good chunk of time. Yeah. Okay. And also anything I say after you will not matter. (laughs) My only boom. (laughs) No, you guys, when you hear what's going on, what happened for her, you'll be like, why is Daniel even lost? I'll even on this episode. Um, I don't know why sometimes my tongue just stops working. (laughs) You go to that voice from time to time. And I really love that voice for you so much. I feel like she needs a name. She needs to be like a Sephora. Oh my God, what's her name? What's her name? Like Shannon? Who does she sound like? Shannon is what I was going for originally. Yeah, probably a Shannon. Shannon? feels right it feels right to me i think it's shannon yeah well we love her i have so many personalities by the way (laughs) i'll start slowly introducing them so anyway my boom my pathetic little boom but it's not pathetic my daughter i think is making a bestie and it's blowing my heart 
wide open. Okay. So actually it's actually quite, quite cool. And I'm starting to piece together how cool having adult friends with a kid, your kid's age is and all the potential that lies within. Right. So we, I'm not going to name names because I don't know if they want to be known, but Jameson made this friend through work forever ago. And then I feel like I've gotten really close to them and they have a daughter and they're about the same age. Actually, their daughter is your kiddo's age. So very similar in age. And they've now had like two hangouts where like they came to our house and the girls had so much fun and they are so freaking cute together. And my head jumps right to like, well, we now need to live in the same neighborhood. We need to have communal dinners. I want to hang out with you every Friday night. (laughs) Like our families now need to become one family. I understand. You know that feeling? I do. I do. Yeah, I understand. So it is a bit psychotic on my end. And I do recognize that. What's real fun is I haven't voiced this to them at all. So I sure hope they don't listen to the podcast because how interesting or do or do. And please make a plan with me Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Because of every week for the rest of your life. (laughs) I want to do holidays together. I want a vacation together. (laughs) I want to make Sunday dinners. I want to move in (laughs) and I can now because I like people. So anyway, that's just the cutest thing I've ever seen. And it is crazy to me. I didn't have a friend from the time I was like a little, little girl for like my whole life, you know? Yeah. But the fact that my kid might have that is so cool. I know. It's really sweet. It's so cute to watch your kid grow up with a little bestie. For me, locally, I have Megan and Rachel, right? Megan and I have often talked about combining families into one, but uh, just to watch Peanut, because Megan and Rachel both had their firstborns, literally they're all just a couple days apart. And in the pandemic, we were like in each other's bubbles. So we did see each other, even if we didn't see anybody else. And so there's pictures of these three from when they were little like blobs on the play mat up to now running in three different directions at the park because God forbid toddlers ever actually like play with each other when you make a date. But yeah, it it is so cool to see. And it's so special. Again, just like, how do I make sure that you stay in her life? Because I just love this for her so much. That's, that's the thing. And then... I love it for us because we also like the parents. Right. Huge bonus. Huge bonus. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) What are the odds? So yeah, it's very, it's like very rare. I didn't see it coming. It's taking me for a whirlwind. I've created a whole life with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I do. I'm really happy for you guys, all of you, especially the ones who don't know (laughs) I don't have a bust because honestly, other than just carrying on on my mental health journey, I have no complaints, especially after talking with you over the last week. So I do feel like you just have to take over now. Man, you may have built it up too much. I don't know. We'll see. No. Okay. Well, let me just say that my boom is short and sweet. And it is that we are all home together and well. Everybody is well. Everybody is on the mend. And by everybody, I specifically and especially mean my peanut 
because the bust is that last week was probably the worst slash scariest week of my life to date, I think. Um, okay, we're going to go back to not last week, but the week before that. It's Friday. It's the yes. end of what was that Labor Day week, right? Like Labor Day kicked off yes. that Monday by that Friday. Peanut comes home from school and I think Chris was putting her to bed. I don't remember what she was doing, but I heard her say to him, I'm going to be sick. And he was like, what? She's like, I'm getting sick. And he was like, what is your stomach? Cause like, he's, he's just so petrified of like stomach bugs. And remember the last time we recorded, she had just had, right. She had just had a stomach bug. So he's like, what is it? I think she said it was kind of in her nose or throat. And he was like, okay, so maybe you're getting a cold, but we were, we were waiting to see because she wasn't like audibly, obviously very noticeably sick. So I'm like, maybe she's just like at the age now where she realizes that when she's sick, she gets to stay home and watch a movie, Mm -hmm. you know, like, is she really getting sick? If she is, she's wasting it because it's the weekend. Like, duh, kid, you got to tell me that on Monday, not Friday. (laughs) So we we just kind of brushed it off. And then Saturday rolls around and sure enough, she's starting to get sniffly still like full and normal self, just a little bit of a snotty nose, which we've already talked about. We're back to school. Like this is, you know, tis the season. Yeah. So started. So again, didn't think much of it. Actually COVID swabbed her and myself just because I was seeing someone in the hospital and we were doing different things. And I just wanted to be able to, if anybody was nervous about it, to be able to be like, it's not COVID, which is not to say there aren't many other things out there that you don't want to share, right? right? Which is where we're going on this train because on Sunday, she's like noticeably more sick. She's definitely got some kind of respiratory thing going. She's getting more uncomfortable as the day goes on because you know how like colds and fluy things, they always are worse. Like mm-hmm. first thing in the morning when especially last thing in the day. And so Sunday night going into Monday, she barely slept. She was so restless and uncomfortable and she kept waking up and waking up and crying. And somewhere around like 4 or 5 a.m., she starts coughing and it quickly turned into that signature barking cough that is croup, right? Like, I don't know about your pediatrician, but I feel like they've mentioned it. Like I I knew about croup without ever having had it because... They tell you to look for like the The barking cough. Yeah. So like I knew about these things, but we've just been super fortunate that in three years and almost eight months, she has never gotten anything really serious. She's always had like little colds, little fevers here and there. Nothing crazy though. Right. Then we hear this barking cough and we're like, all right, like we know not to play with that. Right. So write the email that she's going to be out of school that day and immediately call the pediatrician as soon as they open that morning and they got us in first thing. And as soon as the doctor heard it, she's like, oh yeah. That's croup. Like she'd listen to her chest. She's like, her lungs are clear. Croup is upper respiratory. And it's like basically this crazy inflammation in the trachea. And like all your breathing and speaking things just get really inflamed and really irritated. And you've got this awful cough, but it's not really in your lungs per se. What I would have called like a wheezing breath, but wheezing technically I learned has to come from the lungs. So this is called strider. And it's that like... Yeah, breathing, which is terrifying to hear. Oh my god! Yeah. So they've got like this awful, nasty cough and this Strider breathing, and she didn't even really have the Strider when she was first at the doctor, but she had the cough, and so they did treat her with like this 
liquid steroid thing that you drink and it's just kind of like supposed to quickly go to work with all that inflammation in the throat. Right. And so she was a little bit more comfortable shortly after that. And they come home from the doctor and Monday progresses. But as the day gets later, she's definitely still not feeling well. She still kind of has that cough and we're starting to hear that strider breath and we're like, wait, what, what's this now? This new development. And again, it's like a scary sounding thing. She makes it through the night though. And Tuesday we call the doctor back and we're like, Hey, so we were just in there yesterday. Like she was supposed to start pretty quickly getting better, but I don't think she's getting better. Like we think she might be getting worse. Can we come in again? And they're like, yes, definitely come see us. So we go in and they listen to her. Then we're in there with the baby. Like the whole family goes at this point because Chris took her alone on Monday but I went with them on Tuesday because at this point I'm a little concerned too. Like, why isn't this getting better? Yeah. And the doctor doesn't spend too much time messing around with it either. And she's kind of like, well, there's another kind of treatment that they can do, but we don't have it here in our office. You can get it at the ER, basically at like the children's emergency department. Cause there's like a chunk of the hospital, the big hospital system down here. That's just for a kid ER. And so she's like, go there and they'll be able to give her that treatment. And like, that's supposed to be the magic bullet, right? Like that's, right. if it's gotten that bad, then that's what we give everybody. And in fact, speaking of Rachel earlier, I was texting with her and she's like, yeah, this has happened with my boy and we did this. And like the first thing that they did, didn't touch it, which is what we were kind of experiencing. The second thing that they, they did though, that was like magic. He responded right away. And I'm like, okay, so great. We'll just hop over to the ER, check this parenting milestone off my bucket list because we had never been to the ER before. And just let's just get this settled. So we get over there and the doctor comes in, listens to her briefly and is like, yeah, I don't think that she needs that other treatment like this. You know, we see kids sick with croup all the time and she doesn't sound that bad. So I don't want to give her additional stuff if she doesn't need it. And I was like, okay, well, I respect that. But she kind of is just like going up and down like this, right? Like I'm, I'm a little afraid we're going to walk out of here and she's going to sound worse again. And the kind of great thing about being in a hospital is you end up waiting forever for so-and-so to come back or do mm-hmm. this or that. And sure enough, as we're sitting there, she's getting like audibly worse. Like the cough is worse. The strider's worse. She's irritable. You know, like she just obviously is not feeling well and not sounding good. and They sent her for chest x-rays just to make sure like her strider was getting so pronounced and had been so pronounced at the pediatrician office that they wanted to make sure there wasn't something like lodged in her throat. Like maybe she's obstruction because it clearly doesn't sound like she's getting air moving very well. So they x-ray her chest. They do a second x-ray just on like up here in the throat area. There's nothing there. They're like, okay, it's it's definitely croup. It's just what's weird about it is right now, at this point, it's like past dinner time on Tuesday because we've been there for s- several hours already. She should be getting better just from that first treatment on Monday morning. It's like a three-day thing. So she should be like coming out of the woods. The fact that she's not only not getting better, but she's getting worse is confusing to us. So they offered to keep her overnight because they have this other kind of treatment that they could start her on, but it would be an every six hours thing, like a little nebulizer mask where she breathes in this like certain, you know, concoction. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, well, that's fine. Then we'll be admitted overnight at this point. Again, I have the baby with me. So I'm like, I'm going to take the car and bring the baby home. 
I had a very sweet neighbor come over and watch the monitor once he was asleep. And I'll come back to the ER and just like sit with you guys until she gets a room. Cause you know, that stuff takes forever. Right. And it did, it took until mm-hmm. like 1 a.m. to actually get her to a room. What was scary in the meantime was that they gave her the first of those treatments. And then Chris left to go get their stuff to like go pack a bag for overnight. And I stayed there with her. And in the like hour between the treatment and me sitting there with her, she got dramatically worse again, like breathing like, like it was so bad. And they brought in another mask of something to give her. And they put it on her and she's so tired, dude. It's like 9 p.m. This is past her bedtime. She hasn't napped. She's been sick all day. She's so exhausted. And they're like, yeah, here, here's the mask. Make sure she keeps it on her mouth and breathes through her mouth, not her nose. And then leaves. The respiratory lady leaves. And I'm sitting there with her. And she's so upset and so tired that she just starts crying. But she can't make any noise. And she's getting more oh. hysterical. And she like rips the mask off. And is in my arms and is like convulsing to get away from me and get away from the mask. And she's just like, she's literally hysterical. And that was scary already. I was like, uh, does she need to keep this on? Can I take this off? How do you tell a three-year-old who's just beside herself, tired and sick, that you need to be yeah. uncomfortable thing on your face and take big gasping breaths? You know, like, I'm like, this is, maybe this is supposed to make you feel better. And she's like, just shaking her head and like pointing at her throat and just, just wants nothing to do with any of it. And I'm like, okay, we're done. Put it down, come here, lay down. And she passes out in the bed with it completely upright. She's so tired. She's just done. And I'm just sitting there with her like, Oh my God, this poor baby. Is she just, I know she's going to be okay. But first of all, why is this so persistent? Why is it so bad? Why is she getting worse? And I know she's going to be okay, but like, when is she going to be okay? You know, like, what is this process going to be? We've just never been through anything like this. And this sucks so much that she's so uncomfortable and there's nothing I can do. There's just nothing I can do. And that is the worst feeling as a parent is to watch your kids suffer in any way over anything at all and know that there's nothing that you can do for them. And so I'm just sitting there with her and she's passed out and I'm just holding her little hand and Chris comes back and he hears her breathing at that point. And he's like, what, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, she's getting worse. And he's like, what the hell? And the doctor comes back finally. And is like, yeah, we're definitely making the right call admitting her and we'll just keep monitors on her so we can make sure she's getting oxygen, you know, like all this stuff. Right. And we'll just try to let her get some sleep tonight. So I have to go home because I have also this other baby that needs me. Right. Like this is the beginning of that feeling of like, God, I can't be in two places at once. And I have two children that I feel like need me equally right now. Like he cannot eat anything else without me. And he is a tiny infant and she is scared out of her mind and sick. And it's like, it just is awful. Yeah. So that's terrible. Obviously my husband is wonderful and he stayed with her and she had daddy and she was fine, but Oh man, I'm I'm already struggling with feeling like I'm not available enough to her, you know, to have left her there in yeah. the hospital and just without me, I just hated it. So I go home, barely sleep. Chris doesn't sleep at all. Obviously he's like laying there, just like holding her hand and staring at the freaking oxygen monitors and just like nervous wreck, but being very stoic and put together. I was super with him yeah. and she's okay throughout the night and they decide 
We don't see any more reason to treat her right now. Let's send her home and just keep an eye on her. And they give him a prescription of that same steroid again. It's like if she gets worse tonight and she needs it, go ahead and give it to her, blah, blah, blah. She mostly slept on the couch like most of the day on Wednesday. She was just so tired. Had a little spurt of energy at night. I think I told you she woke up at like 7.30 and we were like, well, it's time to go to bed. So let's head upstairs. And she was like, it's dark outside. Can we go look for stars? And I was like, of course. So we go outside and walk around and look for stars and like play catch for a second and stuff and collect tiny acorns. And then she's like, I'm ready for bed. So we went back inside. She was just so beat, you know, like she was just that little bit of exhaustion was enough for her. And she goes back to sleep and another night where we barely sleep because we're just like, I think actually Chris slept on the floor in her room because we were afraid because she had hardly any voice at all that if she like sat up and called out for us or started crying, we wouldn't hear her. And that's really scary. Mm -hmm. Right. So he slept on the floor. In the meantime, poor Boo is teething. He's cutting like three really sharp teeth at the same time. So he was up every hour and a half to two hours all night just screaming uncomfortable, poor baby, which means that I didn't sleep either. Right. So then it's Thursday and she wakes up and is still just really, really out of it. Doesn't want to eat anything. We're really forcing her to drink. She's trying really hard not to cough because the cough is like kind of scary for her. And I think it doesn't feel good on her throat. But that's a problem because she's got all this stuff stuck in there, right? Like post-nasal drip and just mucus and stuff come out. And it's hard to explain to her. You have to just kind of do it, you know, like you'll feel better. And she's like, oh. So she starts sounding worse. So we call the doctor again, which is sort of part of the protocol anyway, because she had just been hospitalized. And the pediatrician usually asks that you do follow up and tell them what's going on. And I was happy to do that because at that point I was like, Actually, I kind of want you to hear her because I am worried that she sounds worse again. And so she was like, come in, like, come in right away. I have one more appointment. It was like 445. Come on in. So we all pack up and go in. And as we're driving there, Peanut starts pointing to her throat and signing the word hurts, which we had just looked up how to say hurt because she couldn't tell us what hurts. So I was like, well, you can point and like use your fingers to say hurts. So she's pointing to her throat and saying hurts, hurts. I'm like, your throat hurts? And she's nodding yes. And as she's breathing, her throat's like caving in. Like it's like really, obviously really effortful breathing. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like when we were in the ER, they were like, if you see this, come back right away. Right. So now all of a sudden she's doing it, like about to pull into the pediatrician's office. Thank God we're about to be in a place with like doctors and stuff who can make sense of what's happening. So we pull in, we get her up to that office. We get in pretty quickly. She's still pretty striderous with that breath. And as soon as the doctor hears it and sees her again, she's like, no, like, you're going into almost day five at this point. She should not be this bad. I think that you probably should go back to the ER and we're like, done. We don't want to take her home right now yeah. and have her breathing like this because what if something happens and we can't do anything for her? And again, thankful we were where we were because in the moment that the doctor suggested that, I said to Chris, why don't you go call your mom? Because if we're headed over to the ER again, then I think the best thing for us to do is I'll bring the baby home, put him to sleep, leave the monitor with her because I know it's going to be a couple hours. So I won't burden the nice neighbor kid. We'll leave it with her 
then I'll be able to come back and meet up with you guys there. So he steps out of the room to go call his mom. The doctor steps out of the room to call over to the ER to tell them like, hey, we're coming. And this is the kind of treatment that she thinks that Peanut needs. And so everybody has left me alone in the room with Peanut and I have Boo strapped to me in the baby carrier. And all of a sudden, Peanut starts panicking, pointing to her throat and she's trying to get off the table and the table's really tall. So I help her down and she rushes herself to the bathroom because she felt like she had to go to the bathroom because I think the steroids that she was on were really messing with her stomach. Right. So she's trying mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom, she starts pointing to me and she's shaking her head. No. And I'm like, you can't breathe. And she's like, I can't. she's trying to tell me I can't breathe. Oh my and God. getting louder. And I have the baby strapped to me and I'm like trying to get down like to her, her eye level because she's panicking. She, she needs someone to like center her. So I kneel down and I'm like holding on to her and I'm like, you can't breathe. You're having a hard time breathing. Just it's okay. Stay here with me. And like the nurse sees that the bathroom door is open and she's like, Hey mom, I'll close this for you. And I was like, actually don't. And she was like, are you guys okay? And I'm like, she's telling me she can't breathe. She was like, okay. So she immediately goes and grabs those little really pulse oximeters or whatever. Yeah. Your finger. Yeah. Yeah. And her oxygen level was like 80%. Like it just mm-hmm. dove really fast. So we get her out of the bathroom and get her back into the pediatrician's room that we were in back up on the table. And I had called over to the doctor who was on the phone. I was like, she's telling me she can't breathe. So she calls over to somebody else who's now wheeling in an oxygen tank with a mask on it and peanuts up on the table. And she's like starting to pass out. Like she's, she's not getting air. She's truly not. Oh my God. She's, she's like slumped into the nurse on her chest and her eyes start rolling back and they're trying to put the the mask on her. And at this point, Chris comes back in and I'm like trying to fill him in super quickly and what's happening. I have the baby on me and I'm like, I need to get the baby off of me so I can like actually go stand next to her. And he's like, I got it. So he goes to stand next to her. I take the baby off of me, get him back into his car seat and I had turned to the doctor because she had said at one point, like we could call EMS because we were trying to figure out the logistics of like, I need to go one way. She needs to go the other way. And I was like, you need to call EMS. And she's like, I'm on it. So she calls for the ambulance to come take them to the ER. I reach over and grab Chris's keys and I'm like, I'm taking Boo home. You guys have a ride. I will go take him home. And I'm just trying to stay super calm and just decisive about what we need to do to handle this situation right now. We're just like, we're both in triage mode. Looking at her, it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like she was not breathing and she was terrified. And again, there was nothing I could do. And so it was just like, how the F did you stay so calm? Were you crying? Were you in shock? Were you just like mom mode kicked on and you were like, we need to just take care of this and I'll process this later? Exactly. The last one. Mom mode kicks in and I was like, yeah, we need to take care of it. I will process this later. And I got like a little bit of a chance to do that because I got boo in the car and I start driving home. And unfortunately, the time that I'm now trying to get home, it is a rush hour in the city that we live in. And you know how like certain roads, like capital is just like, forget it. You're going to die there. You'll be there for the rest of your life. (laughs) So I'm inching up the road away from the pediatrician's office and an ambulance passes me. Lights going, sirens going and just knowing that that emergency vehicle that's passing you is going to get your kid and you're not with them. It's just like, 
it's an experience. It was awful. My stomach sank when I heard it and I saw it and I knew where it was going and who it was going to get. And I didn't know if she was okay. You know, like it was just so terrible. And I called my parents because I was just saying to you jokingly earlier that they might be like, you want your mommy? (laughs) Yeah. Like my parents are a mess of their own for sure, but they are good in a crisis. (laughs) They are very, they're very helpful. And they've been through crazy stuff like this too. My youngest sister had really insane medical issues when she was born. And so like, I know that they know what this is like. Right. So I called them and I was just like, this is what's going on. And I know she's going to be okay, but this is really scary. And they just gave me a space to say out loud that I was worried and I was scared and I felt helpless and I wanted to be with her. And they just listened to me and told me it was going to be okay. And my mom distracted me. She was like, well, how, you know, how far are you from the house? And I was like, oh, I'm crawling in traffic. Like I've got 20 more minutes. And she was like, okay, well, let me tell you about this needle point that I'm working on. And I was just like, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. Like, had, like just an autopilot mode, listening to the details of like the skeleton dance that she's embroidering right now. And I got home and I put the baby to bed and I headed right back to the hospital. At that point, she was okay. They gave her a couple different treatments, but there's this one specific one that the EMTs did that was like actually a magic bullet and pretty quickly turned her around and she was laughing and joking and like very much enjoyed her ambulance ride to the hospital because they treated her right there at the pediatrician's office. So she got to be fairly present for the ambulance ride, which I was hoping would be like a highlight of all of this because she loves emergency (laughs) vehicles. So I was like, I can't wait to ask her about the ambulance ride. Oh yeah. By the time I got there, she was eating like her 18th popsicle and just like very very much a trooper about the whole thing. You know, you'd never know what just happened. You'd never know what just happened. And actually it was sweet and sad because at one point when I was kind of sitting there trying to talk with her, she, she did turn to me and she was like, I don't remember what happened to my body. And I was like, Oh, what do you mean? The doctor's office. I don't remember what happened. She was like, I was choking. Did I have something in my throat? Obviously, like I'm trying to speak louder so that that microphone picks me up and yeah. even have that much of a voice. But she was trying to like process and make sense of all of a sudden not being able to breathe at the doctor's office. I think because she was like partially passing out, she truly couldn't remember what was happening. And I was like, oh, peanut. Obviously, we were going to be admitted again throughout the night. And they just kept an eye on her. And she was able to sleep a little bit sooner this time, which was good. Oh, and that's when they finally, they started swabbing her for like everything they could think of. And it turns out she tested positive for para-influenza and rhinovirus. So they think that basically that strain of the flu plus a really gnarly cold, the flu caused the croup because a variety of respiratory viruses can cause that reaction. And then the extra bad cold hitting her at the same time slash however many days later basically kept it going and kept it like Mm -hmm. here as it was. And that just these two viruses hit her little system at the same time and it was just overload. That's what they're attributing to it because, dude, they asked me a thousand times, like, does she have asthma? Do any of you have asthma? Did she wheeze as a baby? Has she ever had this before? They couldn't make sense of how... At the ripe old age of over three and a half, it would be the first time having something like this because apparently kids get croup when they're younger, like one and two, and then they're kind of more prone to it after that, which is again, what Rachel's son had experienced. We'd never had anything like it. And then all of a sudden had the worst case of it 
that yeah. like, it's very atypical to be hospitalized for croup. And we were hospitalized twice in the same week. And it was just a real whirlwind. And it was one of those things where like she did okay throughout the rest of Thursday night and into Friday morning. And they, you know, again, discharged us. But at that point, when you've watched your kid go downhill that many times in a row, you don't get comfortable that like, okay, we're cool. We're home. We're good. We were just watching her and listening to her like crazy. And it took until I mean, really, she still barely has her voice back. She sounds like a little tiny chain smoker, but she got her energy back, I would say, as of Monday. Mm -hmm. Has like felt better and wanted to go to school, like wanted to go out and do things, has had a good appetite again and just feels like, okay, now now it does kind of feel like we're in the clear. But man, if she coughs or sneezes or anything right now, we're both like, did that sound striderous to you? No? Okay. All right. Good. Um, And of course, the baby, we're praying that the baby... Worried that he's going to get it. Yeah. I I feel like at this point, he should have already started showing signs. Yeah. But that's even worse, right? Because they can't tell you what's going on. He's so little. Yeah. His body is so tiny. So yeah, it just was a really hellacious week with, again, two ER visits, two overnight hospitalizations, an ambulance ride, just so much like trying to divide and conquer and be in two places at the same time and just not knowing what's going on with your baby. And it was so scary. And I'm so glad that it's over. (laughs) And I hope that we don't have to experience it ever again. I'm so glad it's over, but I also want to know how was the debriefing with you and Chris afterward and like, when did you process it and what did that look like? And are you guys okay? (laughs) Yeah, actually, again, really proud of us to our credit. We both went into, like I said, like triage mode of in the moment, just like, what are the facts? Where do we need to be? What's the plan of attack? And then anytime that there was a minute of quiet or downtime. So like, when she came home on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, at one point, she's kind of passed out on the couch. The baby was napping and he and I were awake looking at each other and both just kind of like reached out and grabbed each other's hands. And we're like, that was really scary. And that was after the first visit. Right. And we both were just like, we're just mm-hmm. feel so grateful. We're so lucky. Cause that's the thing is it's so easy to get into the daily grind. Right. And it's just like, yeah everything sucks and you're tired and they're being a three-nager again and you're tired of negotiating and the baby's crying and everything is such a burden, right? And like the dishes aren't done and it's just so easy to get bogged down by life. And then you have something like that happen. And this was even just after the, the first visit, which was way less traumatic. Just even that alone really snapped us back to a reality of like, we are so freaking blessed and lucky to have these problems, quote unquote, like a normal day for us is a dream slash the fondest memory for parents with like chronically terminally sick babies. Like all we could think about is how many people don't get to bring their baby home from the hospital, you know, like just we're so lucky. We're so lucky that that's all that it was. Right. And I I have friends who spent months with babies in wards where life support team is outside the door. You know, it was just this really sobering moment of both like, wow, that was really scary. You know, I, I need to cry a little bit about that. But then also like, 
oh my God, how lucky are we? Thank God we're home. Like I could smile and laugh all day. Just, just being this grateful after Thursday happened by the time we were reunited in the ER, she was watching something on like his phone. And I just, as soon as we were in the same room together, I just wrapped my arms around him and we both just like cried on each other's shoulders for about two minutes. Right. Just like a really solid, like, holy shit moment where we both were just like, oh my God. And we both were just like, I'm so glad she's okay. I'm so glad she's okay. I was like, I'm so glad you were with her. I'm just glad we're all together again. Like just that was terrible. That was really, really scary. And like, we just needed to say out loud that we were scared because I feel like when mom mode takes over, you're being the brave one, the strong one, the put together one. We had so many different doctors and a couple family members reach out and be like, you handled that so well, like great job. And that feels really good to hear, but you do have to make sure that you take a minute to be like, and that scared the shit out of me. Like, and I need to cry for a second because I thought my, my kid wasn't going to be okay. And there was nothing I could do about it. And that's a really terrible feeling. And I do think that we gave each other the, the space and the time and the audience to say that. And since we've been home on Friday, we have a couple times since then also been like, whew, I just need to process that. That was scary. That was crazy. This and this, blah, blah, blah. Oh, did I tell you this thing happened? Oh, did I tell you she said this? You know, like just kind of like, putting all the pieces together of it. But yeah, I just, um, I feel like it's a good time to mention in case anybody listening to this has the means. September happens to be Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And like, if you can Mm -hmm. do anything, if you can give a penny of support, if you can Find out like what's going on at your local hospital ward. Like, do they need some toys, some blankets, some stuff? You know, like babies arrive in helicopters every day without their families and they have nothing with them. You know, like there are people in your neighborhood right now that are living this waking nightmare every day for days and weeks and months on end. And so like my favorite places are St. Jude and the Ronald McDonald house has a very special place in my heart from my own childhood. And while she was there, she got to walk over to the little Ronald McDonald house station and pick out a toy. And that like gutted me because again, with my sister being so Mm -hmm. sick when she was little, we spent time at a Ronald McDonald house and just like, yeah, I just, I feel like it really brings to light what's important. And what's not really yeah, all that important and makes me want to do something for the people who don't get the happy ending, you know, that don't get the boom right at the end right. of that bust. So. Oh my God. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> You can find us on Instagram. No, dude, we can't end it on that. End it there. But how do you then change the subject? Well, I can. You want to know? Yeah. What's going on with your finger? Why is it pink? Oh, did you paint your nail, or is that a bandaid? No, no, I did. I painted just this one. So Uh, why? Well, of all the many things that don't fit on my body anymore (laughs) after baby number two, one of them is nail polish. (laughs) Nail polish doesn't fit 
on my finger. <laughs> Something that you get to completely control the amount of. I love that. <laughs> oh, my finger's too big. It doesn't fit. Um, no, my wedding rings, wedding ring and engagement ring, my rings, plural, do not fit over my knuckle anymore to get down to this meaty little part down uh-huh. here. And Chris's also don't fit his. And that's his own problem. <laughs> but um, <laughs> me, I don't know. He'd like permanently change my skeleton. You said it did with yours. I remember you being like, are your yes, bones different? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think so. Well, my hand bones are. And so at some point I would like. Hand bones connected to your arm bone. Arm bones <laughs> You don't know that song? It's a great song. <laughs> them bones, them bones. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I have to get it resized at some point. But until then, Chris was saying that he was, I don't know, I think because he had painted Peanuts nails. They did like a little nail day for each other, which you should see his feet look psychotic <laughs> right now <laughs> because she had to give him a pedicure. He's like, don't they look so good? I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> people <laughs> will report you to the police if you wear sandals in public. Um, anyway, he had this great idea that he would pick a blue nail polish and put it on his ring finger because my favorite color is blue. And then if we had a red nail polish, I could put it on my finger, but we don't have a red nail polish, but we do have a sparkly pink one. And he does like pink just as much almost as red. So um, he had painted his ring finger blue like three days ago. And I felt this immense guilt that I did not return the favor. Like (laughs) he left all the nail polishes out in the bathroom on purpose, surely so that I would be like, oh, let me do mine. Married. Love you. And I just walked past them for like three, four days straight. And then finally today I took a shower and was like, all right, let me paint my finger. So I put the pink on my (laughs) ring finger. And sure enough, when I came down and we got into the car, he was like, Oh, thanks for painting your finger. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Don't mention it. <laughs> oh my God. I never wear my reading ring, reading rings anymore. We never do. Well, that's the other thing is I don't want to break it or lose it or whatever. So I need to just get like a, I had those like silicone is it silicone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the worky outy ones. Yeah, like there's like a Kalo brand that we had. That one doesn't fit me either, though. So I need to get... You need to get finger bone surgery. This is the next logical step. Just liposuction just on this part of my finger. <laughs> oh, my God. There's nothing but liposuction. It's your bone. Your actual bone's changed. Yeah. I'm sure of it. No, I think you're right. She's longingly looking at her finger bones right now. Remembering what my knuckles used to be. Remember when I had skinny fingers? I don't even. I used to. My always. I could have been a hand model in my youth, in my prime. That's really confident of you. But you can't. Did you You see my hand? Finger. It's a lean finger. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. We'll call you back after this audition. 
that person is not. Um, this was so fun. Do you have anything else we should talk about? I really don't think that that's a good idea. I think we should go straight to a quick brain dump <laughs> and be done with this episode. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's dump it out. Let's lighten things up. It's time for the brain dump. How many people do you think that you have encountered that can actually read your mind? Oh, wait, do I answer or are you just? Well, no, but I was wondering if you were going to ask me any other questions about it. Uh, yeah. Why do you, what made you, did someone read your mind or did you read someone else's mind? You, you read know what? someone yeah. else's mind, didn't you? Obviously, I wish that was the case. Do I? I don't know. But I think somebody was reading my mind. I met somebody. We shook hands and the eye contact was so intense. And at first I thought, well, this is lovely. And then it kept going and it took me to another level where I thought in my head, wow, this eye contact is intense. And then I got in my head in the moment as we were both locking eyes and it felt like, what are you doing? Like, can you see what I'm thinking? <laughs> what are you doing in there? Wonder. <laughs> How many people do you think that we have met that have actually been able to read our minds? Hmm. Hmm. Personally, honestly, okay. I think not that many, not that many, but but somebody I can't say for sure nobody. I can't say that. I haven't met anybody recently that made I, me feel like that, but I do feel like I have had those moments from time to time where like you just you look right into somebody's soul and they're looking right back into yours. Or have you ever had the situations where you complained about something that somebody did and then like literally within 10 minutes you get a phone call or the next time you see that person they address that thing that you complained about and you're like oh my god well I don't think that they're reading my mind I do think they sent home like a bug bug device right you're constantly being spied on (laughs) and bugged like constantly why did your computer behind you just turn on it's turning off it's and now off it's it was timing out because it had like gone to sleep, okay. but it was in sleep mode for so long okay. that now it's turning off. But also it's the government listening to you and they're upset that you know about being bugged. <laughs> so that's why the screen changed colors. As if I don't know this. Um, does everyone of a certain age go through some sort of existential vibrational energy awakening? Oh, no, I don't think so. I thought you were going to say crisis. And I would say, yeah, probably crisis. I don't think everybody gets to the awakening. No, I think a lot of people stay closed up in their shell. Level up. Oh, my God. Well, this is really inconvenient. I thought (laughs) because I'm going through it, I thought, oh, everybody at a certain age must be going through this. And I just thought like, oh, they've just kept it all a secret. So it's not everybody. No. No, I think there's a large portion of especially our country that is blissfully, ignorantly, at all costs, avoiding spiritual awakenings. What a doozy. I'm going to need to find more people in my, on my, in my court. On your level? In my court. On my level. What are our thoughts on karma? Do we believe in it? Do we think that if you've done something like pretty bad that that badness will certainly return to you like a checks and balances type thing. Do we really 
believe that. Well, and alternatively, too, that if you put enough good out there, the good does find a way of circling back to you. Right. And I love that, but I really need to know about the bad part. (laughs) And I love that, but how much trouble am I in for all the bad that I do? Uh, I, my knee jerk reaction is I do believe in it. My knee jerk reaction is I do believe in it, but you know me, like I I am just like ridiculously, it's the Libra in me. I will argue both sides until I'm blue in the face. So let's not even go there, but just, we're just going to say yes. And then lastly, this is not like a dump dump. This is just an idea I had when I was thinking about, well, how am I going to help my mental health? What if, how do we all feel about this? Making a list of the things that like we'd like to do and then actually doing them. <laughs> <laughs> what? So this is. Now, hear me out. You make a list of all the things that you think, my God, I've always wanted to do that. Or like, that would be cool. And then you have to make yourself go do some of those things on that list. One, some of them have to be by yourself. Two, reach out to random people that you know and invite them to tag along. That's like a double whammy right there. You're doing a thing with a person. Are you talking about making a bucket list and then like inviting people to participate? It's okay. It's a little bit of bucket list, but it's like a bucket list is more intense. I'm talking like a bucket list is like, I need to go to Italy and ride a unicycle on the cobblestone streets. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so dangerous. My, I love that for you. <laughs> my like, oh my God, I should probably do this list is like, I want to go to a restaurant bar and order a drink. Right, Whoa. right, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, do this. Write these things down and invite the couple that you have moved in with in your mind and soul and heart. <laughs> to do these things with you get on it okay okay that's all what do you got okay well my first one I think I covered in the last episode because I did actually make a note in here that says I really need to listen to more podcasts and I think that was before we even sat down to record that episode while we were talking about what to do with this one it occurs to me that I'm an idiot um From there, I also have that. All right, stick with me on this one. (laughs) I think I found a loophole in this whole like positive self-talk thing that really just serves the toxic side of me. Okay, Okay, so here's what I do. I would love to hear. Here's what I do. I say the nice thing instead of the mean thing, but I say it like a little bit sarcastic And I wonder if my body (laughs) is still just absorbing like the good words or if it is picking up on the fact that I'm being an asshole about it. So, for example, I like bent over and felt like a a fold of body that I'm not super excited about being there (laughs) Um, and said something out loud like, Oh, let me pull my pants up over my sexy hips or something like that. You know what I mean? Like technically the words uh-huh. that I said I see. are yeah. really body positive, but the way that I said them would suggest that I don't <laughs> at all feel that way about them. You know what I mean? You think that's going to work for me or... 
Yeah. Um, well, no, I'm so sorry to burst the little bubble that you're on, but I don't think it's just about the words. I th- Well, I don't know now as I'm thinking it out loud because people say like fake it till you make it. So if you keep saying it sarcastically at some point, are you going to say it real? Realistically? <laughs> real? <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll keep you posted on that one. Like I'll yeah, stop okay. in the well, mirror with my adorable baby and be like, who's that baby and his beautiful, well-rested mother? <laughs> Do you think that my body is getting better from that? Okay. I think that's I think that's the karma of why you're not sleeping anymore the two hours and ah, I told you it was real. Um all right, the next one may or may not be direct related. It starts with the words the crisis of aging. So you have to forgive me because I haven't looked at mm-hmm. these in a little while. I took these a little while ago. So I have crisis of aging and then I explained it a little bit. So seeing friends post selfies and thinking, damn. They look like they're in their mid thirties, huh? And then realizing <gasps> that we all do, yes. <laughs> like, like if all these friends that are my same age all of a sudden look like they're this age, then you know what? So do I. And furthermore, why is that so bad? Like, why is that well, a soul crushing? nauseating realization to come to this is a whole episode on its own honestly but like why are we not allowed to age no we are allowed to age i think well okay well i don't know it depends on your wavelength because i feel like for me personally what's happening is well you know i went through a real dark time of like will i ever feel young i felt like my exhaustion my dehydration my child depleted every ounce of youthfulness from me. And I was like, I see people in another stage of life with older kids and they look like they had a comeback. And I remember being like, will that ever happen? I don't feel like that's happening. I feel like I'm, I'm really forcing it to try to happen right now. It's a little early in my postpartum journey, but I'm really trying. And I think that when you start to feel like you don't want to let go of being young, but then you're seeing a picture of yourself or like that friend and you're like, well, it's, it is undeniable. That's a hard one to accept. Yeah. So again, that maybe is its whole own episode because just talking about getting old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so depressing. Sure. We should talk about it. Cause I have thoughts on it. Sure. <laughs> okay. My last one is that I forgot that babies don't have wrists. That it is just that little forearm with a fold and skin and then this little ham hock sticking out of it. And there is like no discernible wrist joint there. Do you need a picture of it? You're looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Did you forget about fat little baby arms? No. If you could just calm down, stop yelling at me for one goddamn second (laughs) and I could explain what was happening in my head. Thank you. I was just wondering, I don't recall not seeing a baby have no wrist. I was then wondering, well, does it grow like a kneecap? Because you know how they also don't have kneecaps, which is weird. Like, what do you mean? I was just talking about that today. 
So glad you brought that up. That's so weird. So then what? They just like, they grow a kneecap and then they grow a wrist? Well, so that's the thing is I think that they must technically have all the pieces of the wrist. Well, maybe not. Maybe they don't have all the bones and stuff in there. But just to look what at are you it. looking at? I'm trying to find Why are your eyes looking down? I took a picture of Boo's fat little wrist hand combo. Yeah, it's so cute. And I wanted to show it to you to be like, do you see how it's just like the arm just dumps straight into the hand? Because I know what you're saying. Like where the wrist should be is actually, it's like a pudgy little... <laughs> It looks like um, little dinner. It looks like two little dinner rolls sitting next exactly to each other. In yeah, the pan. yeah. Okay. Delicious buttery roll. This is not the one that I took, but you can see his wrist, his wrist rolls here. So I'm going to send that he one to you. Oh, and maybe saying. I'll find another one later. Oh my God. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying. Look at that thing. It's a very clearly defined line between like a little what's that Michelin man? Yeah, yeah. It's a little yeah. A little Michelin oh man goodness. gracious. It's a little doughy. It's too hand. bad that we don't share pictures of our children because this sleeping one is precious. He makes Shannon want to come out. <laughs> I will happily send you, you know, I take like 40 pictures of him a day and also my daughter. I understand. And I have to do that. Oh, you want to know something? My kiddo woke up the other morning and right out of her mouth. Where's Laura? <laughs> and it's like, excuse me? <laughs> They've been gone for quite some time. I'm confused why now we're asking her. And she was like, where's Aunt Laura? And I had to say... She's in North Carolina. And she said, Nerf Carolina? Nailed it. In her house. <laughs> and she said, we'll call her later. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. And then I didn't. And I really, that's not right. And that's not fair. And I need to. If she's requesting it, I can't deny her. Yeah. Don't You're deny me. Don't deny me that connection with her. I keep trying to make her forget you. <laughs> You're the best. My kid goes, do you remember when Lily was my mom? Do you remember when Aunt Lily was my mother? Do you remember that? Remember? They call me Aunt Lily and I made it happen because my cousins growing up couldn't say my name, Danielle, and they somehow turned into Lily and I... Thank you for clarifying your name for us. You could say my name, Danielle, in case you were not sure. I hate doing this show with you. I hate this podcast. I hate our friendship. I hate <laughs> our family. <laughs> I want no part of it. And I want to be done. Okay. So can all right, do you have anything else you want to say? Now? Oh, no, now you're quiet. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to Not Another Momcast. You can find us on Instagram at Not Another Momcast. Are you mad at me? <laughs> no, I was just thinking that I'm going to take. I hate our podcast. I hate our family. And I'm going to put it at the front of this episode <laughs> so that everybody knows going in what I'm up against. 
<laughs> on a weekly basis. Please continue. Thank you for listening to Not Another Momcast. You can find us on Instagram at Not Another Momcast or email. Nope, we decided to get rid of that because no one's checking the email. DM us and please subscribe, rate, review, refer a friend. We'd love to hear from you. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. That's it.